This is the Carindale Salvos podcast. Now, did you know that you are unique? That you are different? Now, like, some people take that negatively, right? You know, some people, my mother used to say to me, Krista, I am very glad there's only one of you walking around this world. (laughs) And I was never sure if that was a compliment or if it was a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had someone say, oh my, you're different, and you've thought to yourself, uh... Yeah, 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 okay. I don't know if that's good or bad. You are unique. You are you. And have you ever thought about what makes you, you? What, what, what makes you unique? What, what are the things that are just characteristic to who you are? Think about that for a minute. What makes you, you? Have you ever had to stop and talk about yourself for, for a minute? Have you ever done that? It's a very interesting exercise when we think about who we are. And, and sometimes when we look at ourselves and we think about who we are, what defines us as a person, it may not be what people would describe you what other people pick out in you as being unique about you. Anyway, that's something to think about. So take a look at your thumbprint. Now, there is something that is ridiculously unique about every person here and every person in the world. And what is it? It's that thumbprint that you have right there. It's, it's something that can get burned. It can get scraped off. It can get, but it grows back the same every single time. There are seven, over seven billion people in this world, and each one has a unique thumbprint. Now, did you know that there is a pattern to your thumbprint? So have a look, and and we're going to talk about this a little bit and see if you can discover the pattern of your thumbprint. Are you ready? Okay, so there's three different patterns, and see if you can define yourself in those patterns. Ready? There's loops. So loops begin on one side of the finger, curve round or upward, and exit the other side. That's a loop. There are whirls. Whirls form a circular or spiral pattern. Whirls, all right? And then there's arches. Arches slope upward and then down like a very narrow mountain. Which do you think you are? Are you loops, are you whirls, or are you arches? So everybody in the world has one of those patterns on their fingerprints, but none are the same. But none are the same. When examining fingerprints, scientists look at the arrangement, the shape, the size, the number of lines in these finger patterns to distinguish one from another. They also analyze very tiny characteristics called minutiae, which can't be seen with the naked eye, but scientists know that they're there. These markings you've been born with, and they speak volumes about your individuality, your uniqueness. 
but they also speak about something very, very significant, a connection that we all share together, and that is we have been individually made and created by the God Almighty. Psalm 139 is one of my favorite portions of Scripture because it speaks to the fact of the care that the love of the Father has for each and every one of us and the intimate knowledge of those whom he created, which is you and which is me. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, God's masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. And there is no other amazing work of God other than you and me. Consider this. Consider this this morning. There are about 200 different types of cells, and within these cells, there are about 20 different types of structures. Each human body has a trillion of these cells, and it is simply amazing the way that we are made. With the recent research and mysteries of DNA, there is something very, very cool about how our cells reproduce and, and how they come to life and how they make us who we are. And so people are following this carefully. And there's a declaration in a public address not long ago that each cell, remember there's a trillion of them, each cell at the moment of conception is supplied with a library of one quarter of a million words commanding the cell exactly how many times to multiply and when to die. Can you imagine that that's taking place right now in your body as you're sitting there? It's the reason why your nose doesn't grow the size of an elephant. An elephant's nose, right? Because you are the way that God created you. So in view of this knowledge, which is beginning to, to be deciphered and unraveled, and we're learning something new and new every day about our bodies and about how we were created and about how we can better help each other uh, health-wise and so on and so forth, we are starting to understand more and more how amazing we are as God's creation. Take a minute and turn with me to Psalm 139 if you have it there. As a young uh, girl, probably a teenager, uh, I memorized Psalm 139. And I will never forget the woman who was leading our teen Bible study group, and it was all girls, uh, how she impressed upon us how important this portion of Scripture is as you grow and as you develop as a person. And so as a young one, I would often reverberate this back reverberate this back in my mind. David knew he was no biological accident, the product of some impersonal force, a creation of mere chance, a creature that just happened to appear on the scene of humanity, that somehow he evolved from some weird soupy mess that people talk about, that scientists talk about. He knew that he existed because God chose to make him. Individually, and personally. David knew that God created him for the moment, for the very uh, purpose that he fulfilled. Long before his physical birth, God was directing his development while he was in his mother's womb. And an understanding of Hebrew poetry will tell us the phases are there, such as the secret place, the depths of the earth, all of these things. God saw my unformed body, and it goes to the very depths of who we are. God knew David before he could be known. 
His knowledge simply does not get any more intimate or any more powerful than these words. And one of the things that I have taken from this portion of Scripture in my own personal heart is the fact that there is no other Scripture that reminds me or tells me how utterly powerful my God is than this portion of Scripture. And some of you may know the the bigger word that we use to describe the power of God, right? Omniscience, right? Omniscience, yes. Omniscience, that is the word that we use to talk about the all-powerful God that created us. Within the intimate relationship, David understood the omnipotence and omniscience of God, the mighty power of the God that he served, and therefore he understood that power was a very real part of his own being. And so that's part of what we internalize as we read this portion of Scripture. Now what about us this morning, and what about the words of the psalmist, and how, how can we, we take that and, and bring that in so that it helps us walk through life? And so it helps us walk through our relationship with one another. And I think one of the things that this portion of Scripture reminds me of is the fact that it gives me assurance, but it also gives me accountability. And I'll explain that a little bit more as we, as we go along. But it gives me assurance, and it gives me accountability. And here are the four things that I pick up as I read through this portion of Scripture. I hope you see them as well. So... God knows what we do. God knows what we do. And it says this in verse 2, you know when I sit and when I rise. God knows what we do. For David, a man who sinned greatly, some of you know his story. If you don't, come and talk to me afterwards and I'll tell you a little bit about it. But he had a terrible, terrible past. He brought in a lot of stuff. God knew what he did. God knew what he did. And and David laid it all out before God. David said in these words uh, that's found in Psalm 51, For I know my transgressions, my sins are always before me. God knows what we do. And so knowing that God knows what we do means that we share in a blessing, but in accountability. We share in assurance, but in accountability through a relationship with Him. He will watch over our actions. He will protect us with care, keeping us from harm in ways that we will never, ever fully understand. But it also means that we have a responsibility of conducting ourselves in a manner that is worthy of Him, that is worthy of Him. God knows what we do. Here's the other thing that we can pull out of this psalm that can apply to us personally today. God knows what we think. For me, that is a harder one than knowing that God knows what we do. God knows what we think. So consider that when we look at the assurance and the accountability of that statement. God knows what we think. Verse 2b says, You perceive my thoughts from afar before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely, O Lord. How many of you say something to yourself and then apologize to yourself afterwards? Look, not only did David's actions need to be taken to account, but he also knew 
Lord knew his very thoughts and knew that some of those things were planned, were premeditated. Knowing that God knows what we think means that we share in a blessing of relationship that is more than we can begin to, to imagine. And so he will guide our thoughts if we allow him. He will guide us to the things of righteousness if we allow him. But it also means that we assume responsibility for steering clear of the things in this world that could pollute our thoughts and our mind. And it means that we are held accountable to the things that we think, even if we don't say them aloud. God knows what we think. Here's the other thing that we need to consider from this portion of Scripture. God knows our ways. God knows our ways. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. How many of us here are habitual in our everyday living? Hey, yeah? How many need to live on a pattern like that, that have common habits that they do every day, and if it gets thrown off, we're in a mess? Amen. Maybe even some of the things you don't even realize. Yeah. God knows our ways. Here's the other thing that we have to consider in that. If God knows our ways, God also understands our temptations. God also understands our temptations. And so that is something else that we need to internalize and consider. God was familiar with David's ways. And I believe that this is referring to God's knowledge of our ongoing struggles, weaknesses, temptations in life. David was a king, an almighty king. At the time that this portion of scripture was, was written, the, there wasn't much that he could be vulnerable about because he was the king. But before God, before God, he had to be because God knew his ways. Knowing that God knows our ways means that we share in a blessing, in assurance that through a relationship with him, he will never, never fail to be there throughout our ongoing struggles our ongoing challenges, the temptations that we continually fall trapped into, the things that we are drawn to in our everyday life, God knows those things, and so we can find assurance in that. But it also means that we need to be diligent, that we need to be diligent with keeping sin from becoming habitual in our lives every day. God knows our ways. And finally, this morning, I just want to mention that God knows what we need. Verse 4 and 6, or sorry, 5 and 6 of this portion of Scripture says this, You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. To hem in means to closely surround. David knew that God was with him no matter what the future held. Good or bad, thick and thin, God was there. God's hand was upon him. And some of you know his story. His protection was there, both perceived and unperceived. So know that God knows what we need. What, what does that mean for us? It means that we share in the assurance that through a relationship with him, 
We can trust him to meet those needs, our every need. But it also means that we have the responsibility to leave ourselves open to the meeting of our needs in his time and in his space. And that's where it gets tough. That's where it gets hard. And that's where we have to trust. These words that are in Psalm 139 are a blessing because they remind us that God created each and every one of us. We are awesome, we are amazing, we are extraordinary. It is a greatness which is fully realized through the power of an intimate relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and so we strive to be more and more like Him every day. We are no biological accident. We are not the product of some impersonal force. We are not a creation of mere chance. We are not creatures that just happen to appear on the scene in human history at the time that we're in right now. We did not somehow evolve from some soupy mess. We exist because God made us. And I will tell you that I know there are many people that struggle with the fact that you are unique and you are loved by an all-powerful God. And so when the world speaks into your heart the lies that you are not good enough, the lies that you need this in order to get through life, not anything else, the lies that you will always fall in that trap every time, some of us may have heard that in childhood right up through. But Scripture is telling us today that we are so, so much more than that. So much more than that. And so while it is meant to be there as an insurance of the way that God created each and every one of us, that you are special and you are unique and you are here for a purpose and you are here to fulfill God's plan for your life, it also means that for us, in our uniqueness, we are accountable. We are accountable to also know ourselves so well so that we can serve him better and better every day and trust him with the gifts that he has given each and every one of us. When I think about the uniqueness of my fingerprint, I am amazed at the reality that there is a God, an intimate God that chose and loves me. Even though he created over 7 billion people, he chose and he loves me. And his love will never separate us from anything. And we can never be separated from his love. And that is one of the most beautiful promises that we have. No matter our circumstances of life, no matter the people that are feeding into our hearts lies and darkness and fear, no matter the health struggles that we have, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God who created us just as we are. And I think perhaps why this portion of Scripture is so, uh, so important to me is that it, it was probably the thing that carried me through the biggest challenges of understanding my faith and understanding who I was in God. And, and that journey as a teenager was there, but I'll tell you, it was a bigger journey when I became a mother and when I became a wife and when I became an officer. And I started to define myself by those things. 
because that's what I do. It's not, it's not what I am. And so if, if you ever have had the opportunity to think about yourself and to talk about yourself to someone else, more than likely the first thing you would describe is, I'm a mother, I, I'm, I'm a wife, I'm a husband, I, I, I'm a teacher, I'm a, and you start listing off all of the things that you do. And those things are important. But those are not the things that define who you are in Christ. You are beautifully and wonderfully made by a God who has an amazing purpose. You've been listening to the Carindale Salvos podcast. If you'd like to discover more or get in touch with us, visit us at salvos.org.au forward slash Carindale or head to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Carindale Salvos. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. You can find the podcast on our website or wherever you get your podcasts.